Welcome to the worst of all possible worlds, the first and only podcast that honks if it loves pussy. I'm the worst <laughs> of all possible Brian's. I'm the worst of all possible AJ's. And today we are more than happy to welcome uh, Eleanor Phillips and Jesse Canizaro. You may know them from Puffs or Seven Increasingly Eventful Years at a certain school of magic and magic. They recently just finished a very prestigious comedy <laughs> In uh, uh, residency at Ars Nova, uh, they did a show called Ten Days Next to a Cheesecake Factory, which broke my heart and made me laugh so hard. And now they are here today to join us. Please welcome Jesse Canizaro and Eleanor Phillips. Hi, friends. Hi. Hello. Thank you for having us. Excited to be here. Well, we're so happy because you guys are here to talk about Josie and the Pussycats, a film that I had not seen uh, until yesterday. Honestly, still so upset that you had not seen it before, but very excited to watch you watch it for the first time. I'm bummed I wasn't there to watch you watch, to watch you watch AJ watch it for the first time. I understand. I'm so bummed I wasn't there to watch you watch Ellie watch AJ watch Josie and the Pussycats. I was sad that I wasn't there to watch Brian watch Jesse watch Ellie watch me watch Josie and the Pussycats. No, you broke in the circle because how are you watching the movie if you're watching me? Get your eyes on the screen, AJ. (laughs) AJ, you're the one we're all watching. I exist outside of time Today we are talking about Josie and the Pussycats, a film that I think would have been very integral to my entire like childhood development had I seen it when uh, I was supposed to. But due to a variety of factors, mostly being uh, the way this movie was advertised, uh, I just was yeah. not exposed yeah. to it, which I, I'm sure we will get into a little bit later. But AJ, first... do you think that's because you hate women? <gasps> Here's the um. question. Answer honestly. Or is it despite the fact that you hate women? Mm. I, yeah. I, I think... Yeah. you. Uh, look, as an outside of time god, uh, I don't really view uh, humans. That's so, what that uh, really about. Ellie, uh, tell us about your history with Josie and the Pussycats, being, I believe, our resident expert on the film. Oh, oh my goodness. Honored to have that title. Um, <laughs> I definitely saw it in theaters when it came out. I want to say that was April, April 2001. April 2001. I definitely April went to go see it. 11th. 2001. That was my mom's birthday. Oh, wow. 2001. Wow, happy birthday, So I definitely mom. didn't go on opening day because it was my mom's birthday. But I did go see it in theaters and definitely lost my shit for it. Um, I cut my hair in an attempt to emulate Rachel Lee Cook's oh my wig God. in this movie, Iconic. which, by the way, um, did not look as good on 12-year-old me as it did on <laughs> what Rachel you, Lee Cook. What'd you call what that hairstyle? What a surprise. What's the hairstyle called? Can I tell you, actually, the, the yeah. reference photo I brought for the haircut was an ad, a got-to-be ad that I had oh, ripped yeah. out of a magazine. But Early it was odds, very baby. much the exact same hairstyle where it was like that really like shaggy, but like flipped out, yeah. sh- like chin length bob. I don't even know what the fuck it was called. It's really it was sort of a, pull off. I don't know. Uh, we're going to yeah, actually put that not. photo in the in the episode <laughs> notes uh, of, of this episode. This is so. a reference of me or of, Oh, no, no, of, of your reference photo. So people can go and actually get, you know, the, the hair. No, but please they, they let's want. still show photos of, of Ellie. I uh, <laughs> loved it so much. And I like, definitely part of the reason I like learned That's to play right. the drums was because I loved this movie. I had the CD. I listened to the soundtrack. I know every single fucking word. 
While we and were watching, uh, she was lip syncing along uh, with every yeah, single song. Yeah, because I wasn't allowed to sing along, and it broke my heart. Quite honestly, I just, just wanted to hear them sing. I wanted to hear I them sing. I understand. First. Why wouldn't you want to hear Kay Henley from Letters uh, to Cleo sing those songs? Why so wouldn't good. you, AJ? AJ, why couldn't you just pretend to be nice? Let's song. <gasps> oh, somebody did their research. Pretend wow. to be nice. Wow, wow, wow. that's so in the most nineties way possible. Nice. Thank you. <laughs> Can't you 2001, nice. baby. Well, but that's, that's the thing that makes it funny is like Josie and the Pussycats is a 90s movie. It came out in 2001, but it is a 90s movie. Yeah. This is I mean, it's very much about, 90s. it's still like a Y2K film, though. It's like, it's definitely the fashion early and the styling is very yeah. early aughts. But the premise is so late 90s because that year was the year the iPod came out. So, like, the whole concept yeah. of, the way the record industry worked completely changed that year. So in that way, it's very much like a 90s film. And also because I think like the writers and directors are most famous for Can't Hardly Wait, which is such like a 90s movie. Oh, absolutely. Um, And like there's a lot of that kind of style. I think it's interesting too. I think like this is the movie that like ends the 90s movie style. Like it's the last one and it's the most emblematic. And I think of like the early 90s style and you kind of see how that decade shifts in terms of presentation. The the example I always give is the first Brady Bunch movie. (laughs) Well, you know, Uh, they did a Brady Bunch movie. Which the writers, directors of this movie did a very Brady sequel. The sequel to the, the 90s Brady Bunch movie where everyone who just listens to grunge and is put off by the Brady's being in town. Mm-hmm. And yes, uh, this, this brings us into the era where grunge is dead, like literally. And now the record companies and ad agencies are all just trying to create the Beatles every three weeks. Yeah. Like, here's a new band. Let's bring them out. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. Here's In Sync. Here's Backstreet Boys. Here's 98 Degrees. Here's Blink 182. Here's Bewitched. Here's. Okay, Britney I just want to say one of these Christina things Aguilar. is not like the other. Yeah, one of these things just, just does not belong, bro. No, they're all <laughs> exactly the same thing. They're the same thing. Although they same did thing. say that the premise kind of, yeah, was because they were like, what if a female Blink 182? Yeah, they that was like that was their that music. Yeah. That was line. the musical genre they were trying yeah. to do. Because it was still a was... full year before Avril Lavigne. Um, yeah, and the songs are, are very. Mm. Avril Lavigne yeah. is a very post nine eleven figure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes, this, this is, is a pre nine eleven film. This is pre nine eleven. That is April. that is true. And you know what? No one actually. There was no record of Avril Lavigne existing before nine eleven either. She no one's been able to was... find her birth wow. certificate. So. Okay, let's get into the conspiracy theories here. All right. Okay. <laughs> She's Canadian, I know we're right? here to talk about <laughs> Josie and the Pussycats, but yeah. I feel like we have a mystery on our hands. <laughs> well, I mean, they, so, o- they often guest well, starred with Scooby-Doo in the and gang. The thing so. we know about Josie and the Avril? Pussycats is that they are great <laughs> at solving mysteries. That's so, true. Uh, so I didn't... I, I, did, did anyone read Archie comics? I was yes, a huge... I did. huge my really? mom okay. actually just... Because we had... I like would go to the local comic store every week. Oh, wow. I, and I like inherited a bunch of comics from my aunt and my mom when I... We visited her last week and she snuck in a bag of my old Archie comics because she's just trying to get them out of the house because there's just so many. And she was like, did you find anything in your backpack? And it took me a full week to be like, oh, this stack of Archie comics. She's so just... did did Josie and the Pussycats have its own comic then or were they just like they living were like there living with Betty and within the, the universe, but they also had their own comic series. There were definitely comic series like you could get a Josie yeah. and the Pussycats edition, but it was more uh-huh. likely that you were going to get like a normal 
comic book that had like one story that was primarily featuring Josie and the Pussycats. Okay. Does that feel right to your memory so, as well, Jesse? Because yeah. like I also very much read Archie comics. Because <laughs> my introduction to, to Josie right. and the Pussycats was through the Hanna-Barbera cartoon in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Which know, I also watched. Yeah, that used <laughs> to be on Cartoon Network all the time because Ted yeah. Turner had all of those things in the archive and they just showed them whenever they had blank yeah, slots. It's, it's funny because yeah. I I, rem- I don't remember watching the cartoon, but I remember the Josie and the Pussycats theme song. Like that, that is something yeah. that has been jolted in my head even though I cannot guess. Like, I, I can... So was it just because of Hanna-Barbera that they started solving mysteries? Because that's the whole thing. I mean, Hanna-Barbera, you know, se- 1970 comes around, Scooby-Doo becomes a big hit and so they just make other Scooby-Doo's like Jabberjaw or the one with the car that talks Mm -hmm. or Josie. I forgot that Jabberjaw solved mysteries. Oh, he fucking sucks. I hate him so much. They live in like a future world. Like it's C-Lab 2020, but with Curly from the Three Stooges. That's right. And like everything's like aliens and they have flying cars, but underwater. It's like, fuck you. Like fuck that whole concept. They definitely say now everyone's always like, "Oh, Riverdale!" Like God, they made it. They made Archie like so weird. There's like aliens and you know all kinds of weird stuff happening. But the original Archie comics definitely also had alien encounters. Definitely had weird mysteries of the. Yeah, didn't he team up with the Punisher once? Yeah, oh yeah, (laughs) Archie versus the Punisher. There was all sorts of weird shit going on. (laughs) I do very much remember him meeting Batman at one point, Mm -hmm, and that's sort of mm -hmm. where my brain snapped half. I can't tell if I'm just manufacturing a crossover episode with Scoop. Do and Josie the Pussycats. Mm. I think I'm making that up. Well, they did Scooby Doo movies, which would have like uh, Batman or the Three Stooges or probably Josie and the Pussycats. What an odd mix. (laughs) What a a weird mix of people. It's awful that I know about these things. No, it's not. Honestly, it it upsets me. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Well, and so then when I saw Josie and the Pussycats was coming to theaters, I was like nine years old in 2000. And the first teaser poster, I think, just showed the little like cat ears and maybe a microphone stand or something. And it was like white. And the thing I noticed was that it was like, oh, there's a Josie and the Pussycats. Cats movie. Also, it's PG thirteen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, hmm. I mean, don't know about it that. It was a precursor to Riverdale. Where I was say, Archie just, and everyone just yeah fucked. It sets and the continues tone. to fuck. I mean, no one fucks in this movie, but someone does have a penile implant. But it definitely does well, set the tone. You're right, AJ. It like sets the tone for what would later become like. Yeah, yeah. We can be kind of yeah. We can get explicit with jokes. And to the point where Archie Comics got kind of uncomfortable with it, and the DVD release is bodlerized. And they took out like the. I'm so, I'm sorry. What was that? Words? What was that word? Okay, thank God. Bodlerized. Bo- Say it again. You've never heard this word. No. no. Okay, wait. Can we all take a Bodlerized. guess? Bodler. I feel like it means B O W. Is it like body? D L E R I Z E D, named for Thomas Bodler, the person who changed the ending of King Lear so that it had a happy ending. Oh, you all know. In the 1700s. That's not familiar terms. It's a word. Look up bodlerized. Fucking take out your phone. Okay. Type. It in. It's a word. All right. That was okay. so much. Didn't any of you study theater? So much of a weirder like, people term. Don't, people I mean, say NYU, the word and they so. don't know who who Bodler was, but cool. like. Cool. This is you'll well, learn a good word. New. What a useful word. This is an educational podcast. So the, <laughs> the DVD release dropped the, the two instances of the S word. I think it cuts out the penile implant bit. I think they dub over that with something else. 
And they cut out the shot where uh, Tara Reid is holding the sign that says "Honk if you love pussy." How dare! How, How dare! That's my favorite. It's harsh. A good joke. <laughs> yeah. So you just see a car hit another car, and then you see oh, her running off, and it's better. like sort of cropped, so you don't see the sign. It's bullshit. It's awful. So he just crashed because um, he saw a woman hiding in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> He was so it's distracted by Tara Reid. Average car accident. There's a Sharknado nearby. How big is Riverdale? Uh, it's a small town. Well, yeah. well it's made it's like, up, isn't in it? In the TV show, there yeah. is a wrong side of the tracks and a right side of the tracks because Jughead's dad comes from the wrong side of the tracks and is part of a oh, gang yeah. that is running heroin. I don't think we should be looking to the uh, TV I was say, show for canon. Yeah. <laughs> for for oh, I think we I will say this, just that they often in the comics mention how Riverdale is like a town and they say this in, in the movie too in Josie and the Pussycats where she's constantly just like I'm just a girl from Riverdale, you know, that it's like I'm just a little girl from Riverdale. It's Carol Channing singing yeah. Rosalind Russell's and Marilyn Monroe. Happy birthday, <laughs> Mr. President. No, no, it's Carol Channing as Carol Channing in the original Gentleman Prefer Well, actually, it's Everyone more like Lorelai. It's the old Carol Every Channing. impression is only good if it's um, five based impressions Based on the famed together. graphic novel. See, what a fool am I that I didn't know Carol Channing did that song. <gasps> you didn't know that? Oh, my God. Well, so now I want Carol Channing to sing all of Josie's greatest hits. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> Josie and the Pussycats. That was really good. Um, <laughs> it's a good Channing. <laughs> It's a good Carol Channing. Oh, I know. I'd watch this solo show. So let's talk about this prologue first, because this is the moment. So I saw this movie, so I missed it uh, in theaters, like everyone no, okay, else. Well, like even Ellie saying that she saw it in theaters. But Jesse, you also saw I it in theaters, I definitely also right? saw it in theaters. And see, both of you saying that, I don't believe you. It's like <laughs> someone saying that they went and saw Carrie on Broadway. Like it, it statistically didn't Steve happen. Because this movie fucking bombed. We're, one of, we're two of the only people who went to see Josie and the Pussy. Yeah. <laughs> they also went to go see Carrie on Broadway and Moose Murders together. They were uh, <laughs> they exclusively I, see things that last one weekend and then are gone. Again, we, we did actually, go to the same middle school together, so this yes. uh, yeah. mostly it's just that the box office really like soared. They at took our a field trip school. to see Glory Days. <laughs> Honestly, and, uh, I do. the The weird <laughs> thing is about like our middle school is that there were so many kids around the same age. That like we'd go take over a movie theater. Like I remember seeing Jesse. Were you there the day like everyone saw Mean Girls? Oh, I was gonna say Lord Where, of the Rings. Like there was. Oh well, that was more your speed. <laughs> my my sister had seen this some point on DVD a couple years later. She didn't see it in theaters, and she is the one who clued me in on how great this was. So I saw this in like high school, like five or six years after it wow. came out, and wow. the opening was just like. Holy fuck, what have I missed? Yeah, it is. How did I not know? How dare they open with DuJour <laughs> singing Backdoor Lover? That it made it to the movie yeah, is incredible. They had incredible. two songs to choose from. That they got away with that. The movie opens with this screaming crowd shouting. It's, it's like vile. It's like kind of horrific to the, see all of them like this. It's all high contrast mm-hmm. and like, and, and so they're all talking about how much they love DuJour. Fun fact the the cinematographer for this film, Josie and the Pussycats, mm-hmm. his last major project before this was Requiem for a Dream. Mm. And he is a <laughs> oh frequent Darren Aronofsky God. collaborator. Incredible. He did Black Swan. 
Incredible. Um, he's also worked a lot with Spike Lee. I mean, I felt it was a very surreal movie. And like, so whenever there's like that fisheye lens or like those very, very yeah. intense choices, just like think he went from Requiem for a Dream to Josie and the Pussycats. <laughs> but you know, but he and said it yes. shows. And it's and fabulous. He was, yeah. he was like, yeah, I can make art <laughs> Yeah, no, that. And, and, and his work did. is chef's <laughs> kiss, sure impeccable. It's so interesting, like, looking at the, the way critics respond to this movie Ugh. and thinking, how did you respond to this in any way other than the intent of this film? Because the movie makes it so clear what it's doing in this prologue. Yeah. With these ridiculous men singing backdoor lover and then getting on their plane and like whining about their monkey. And what a collection of men. We should talk about <laughs> what the, a collection the of cast men. members of oh Du Jour. Oh my god. Ellie has informed me that there's actually a lot more interesting connections between them than I even thought uh, because uh, Seth Green well, we Breckenmeyer Meyer Clueless. and Seth Green have worked together for forever. Then obviously Breckenmeyer yeah. and, and Donald, Donald Faison were in Clueless together. We start this scene in the jet and Breckenmeyer is just doing the Justin Timberlake black scent just right yep. off the top. But they're also good at the posturing of it too like the actual like I had such a crush on Seth Green at this time also he was like just my height Oh, no, they are. You saw Backdoor Lover and you're like, that's what that I was want. It. I, that's the kind of lover that <laughs> I would like to have. Lying uh, on your bed. I love bed. a short king nice. who Staring loves the backdoor. Staring up at the moon. It really is. Can I just say you also, green. because I had I had not seen it since uh, since 2001 when, when I, I loved it, but yeah. I hadn't really watched it since. And Ellie and I were, were recently working on uh, this this project together. And uh, in, in the lead up to the show, we were listening to a lot of songs to like pump us up. And I don't even know how it came up. But Ellie, I think you were just like, you know, we got to listen to. Have you listened to Josie and the Pussycats since it came out? And I was like, I don't think so uh like i know i loved <laughs> well, you it know at the how time it came up but it went from wow. we watched girls five eva and i was like some of oh. the greatest parody music is yes. josie and the pussycats mm-hmm. yes because it has both parody music and like sincere actual good songs so of the good. era yeah. then we did watch it at like 3 a.m one night and in a, fe- in a in a total fever dream and it the movie opening with backdoor lover and all is just like <laughs> I, I was like well, i missed all of this joke as as a child, yeah. like this, like, you know, like you're not really catching. But my I did not goodness. know it was about anal sex. No, at all. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't uh, know. Uh, uh, and when we're on the plane, too, this is part of that whole feeling of being in the '90s because the plane. Uh, so it has Target across the ceiling, bounce boxes glued to the wall. There is also there's like a thing of dish soap, ivory right? soap under every window and on top of every window, which I didn't notice until watching it yesterday. Was uh, there's a there's a box of Crest toothpaste glued uh, to the top of every window. The set designer must have had so much fun. <laughs> well, we should also probably talk a little bit about uh, the product placement in this movie because yes. I think it's one of the things that a lot of critics came after the movie for. So it's stupid. a joke. And yeah, they didn't like ha- accept any money. They, they weren't paid for these product yeah, placements. Yeah, none of this was paid for. No one paid to be in it. So you have no all these one. critics it's, going it's like, an "Oh, well, how can they make this comment and then accept all this money?" And it's like they didn't accept money. Do you know what a satire is? Uh, so frustrating. I guess that's partly yeah. a failure of like their press materials is like well, these critics are going to screenings and they don't have a thing that says this isn't real product placement or whatever. I don't know. It's so and weird. And you gotta wonder. That everyone like I mean, focuses on that when I don't even care if it was real. It's still really funny. Yeah. I feel like the, every male critic at, at the time, which, you know, it's a, such a largely male industry yeah. is like 
I'm sure did, even if it was in the press materials, wasn't wasn't taking it seriously, was not going into this yeah. movie being like, let me read up on it. Yeah, um, let me meet this me, movie. Me, I mean, it's yeah. a comic book movie, you know, which at the time was uh, was very maligned. Certainly the way it was marketed didn't help anything because I remember yeah. re, I think we rewatched the trailer, Jesse, before we rewatched. The yeah, movie. we did. The trailer, like you would have no idea that this movie is a satire of capitalism yeah um and yeah, capitalist it just looks culture like it's gonna be completely you're just like oh it's like a dumb movie and that's exactly right. how it was reviewed because then you have you know again a couple months later in september of 2001 um you have zoolander <laughs> and right. uh, and which is another like movie a satire about brainwashing and i was reading yeah. through you know a lot of the reviews from that time and it is very like ah oh, like a brilliant satire and you know send up of the new york fashion scene and send up of consumer culture and etc cetera, etc cetera. and you're like how right. months before in april you know you have a movie that has similar themes but yeah. marketed towards teenage girls so of course right. i mean it's this not movie satire. this movie is they live for teenage girls and young homosexuals yeah yeah. And like, and that's I guess the problem is that it's just in the wrong register for a lot of these people. I, I can't think of another movie that is a, a better example of like how to do production design to tell a mm-hmm. joke than Josie in and the Pussycat. Absolutely. So, so we get du jour, which of course means family. Uh, it also means friendship. But they don't quite understand how they're so meteorically famous for seemingly no reason. And so Alan Cumming, the brilliant, erotic Alan Cumming. Some of his finest work. Goes to the front of the plane. Mm. Talks mm-hmm. to the co-director, co-writer of this movie, who is playing the pilot. Oh, I, I didn't know even that. pick up on Harry that. Harry Alphantis. Yep. And he gives him the code, take the Chevy it's to the, the Alfred Hitchcock right there. And the pilot and him just jump out the front of the plane and let it sail to the earth. I was going to say one of my favorite jokes is the pilot running just away running in away. the background after they land. Yes. And Alan yeah. coming like gets like, on the Alan phone. Alan is like, like on his phone, but the pilot's his- gone. Yeah, where is the pilot going? Running. So that's hilarious. Uh, Alan Cumming finds himself at Riverdale. Then nine and a half minutes into the movie, we, we get the title sequence. We get to to Josie's uh, house. The Pussycats, they're all hanging out. Alexander Cabot is there. Alexandra Cabot is there. <laughs> we learn about Alexander's penile implant. We sure um, do. We've already seen him with two hairstyles at this point. There is a montage hairstyle, and then there's the hairstyle that he has in Josie's house. He has so many different hairstyles in this film. Can I just say also that I don't think I even understood the penile implant thing until you said it just now. And I, yep. was, I certainly missed it when I was a kid, and I definitely yep. missed Alexander it. Alexander is a character uh. that like goes on a complete arc in this movie, and we are just has, not privy he, yeah, to it. Yeah, we're going to have to get into that when we get to we it, are just not privy uh, to it like we don't see him change over the course we get like glimpses of it in the but background but ending. it really yeah. is we do get that ending they really yeah. do land it, it. missy pile um, also this is the first of many the best lines in the movie even with parker, parker posey being in this film the best line reads i have to give the award to uh to oh. missy because wow. that's, that's even intense. starting that's with intense. the with her retort the too bad you Suck. <laughs> um. It is really good. I, I mean, I, I got to give it to my, my girl Parker Posey, but we, we can get into that. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a close, and, all the supporting I mean, characters it, yeah. are it's just a close race. And Serena Altschul comes on, MTV News, the real MTV News, the whole background, everything. 
Because this exists in this universe that is going to die. Just blow up AJ for one second here and say he asked me, he was like, is that like a real... Is that like a real person? Like I should know who that is. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Her name was MTV News. I thought I thought it was a I thought it was Serena a German Altschul joke. From she M- was MTV News. She, uh, such an icon. I was not allowed to watch MTV as a kid. Uh, well, that's that's neither was I. It was still on the TV. I had older siblings. Yeah. They were going to do it anyway. Oh, I, um, my sister also did uh, not watch MTV. So we learn from MTV News that Dujour has disappeared, presumed Which, dead. Which again. If you're not getting it at this point that it's like an indictment of consumerism and the industry when they say like, <laughs> very sad, but, you know, but you can buy the box set, you know, Platinum Edition it, out in stores tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Commemorative. Yeah. I mean, right there, you're like, oh, my God. <laughs> this is not a subtle movie by any means. And thank God for it, because it's it's beautiful in its lack of subtlety. Mm. This is the chair bit, right, where each of them sit down in a chair, but Terry yes. just doesn't have one and just falls headlong <laughs> yeah. over herself. <laughs> She just, she just, she just, she just sits on the floor. Movie. It actually makes me really sad yeah. that she was never, I think, allowed to be this good again until the Sharknado franchise, where she was just allowed to like really let loose. Right. Like, yeah. where, where was Hollywood on like Tara Reid being this A physical great comedian? Like, because yeah. she's funny in yeah. The Big Lebowski, but she doesn't do any physical comedy in that. Right. Yeah. But here, she's she's perfect. Like the beats in this movie. Well, um, unfortunately, it's like you know she's so fantastic at playing the like Hollywood dumb blonde trope that so often stupid Hollywood is like, oh, she's a dumb blonde, as opposed to like, she's doing so much with even just like, even playing. So Josie and the Pussycats decide to do uh, an unauthorized performance. They're just going to go downtown and do it. So we see downtown Riverdale, again, small town America, where there's a Steve Madden store, a two story (laughs) like Virgin Records. Yep. We have like a great montage of people around town just like consuming things like one guy eating a Gatorade granola bar or drinking Pepsi one or diet Cokes with uh, du jour on the can. Yeah. And so Alan Cumming is walking around trying to find the talent and he has the last du jour single and he has the record store play it. And all of a sudden people start saying they want to buy orange clothes for some reason, standing by a space channel five standee. And we see those like booths, this reminds me so much of like Sam Goody back in the day. That's what we yeah. had. Done. We didn't have a oh, yeah. story. I was an H and V kid myself. What? What? I don't know this. What? I'm I'm from New Mexico. I don't know HMV? what half of these things Ellie, are. Oh, you don't go to H and V on eighty six and Lex? It was the big UK ch- chain that was that. Oh, Jesse, I don't know I how didn't. to tell you this. You walked into an empty storefront and a guy was just <laughs> like, it's H&V. H&V was, was a UK-based branded store that opened in the 1920s. Uh, as big in TV and radio and uh, then came to okay. America. But H&V, hit, hit me up yeah, in the comments if had... anyone else remembers <laughs> H&V. <laughs> Someone, please. And AJ and I are, are west of the Mississippi, so we didn't. Uh, yeah, I had to say, I was a Sam Goody kid, uh, too. Mm. And I yeah. remember uh, scanning the barcodes and listening to American uh-huh. Idiot. I think. Uh, well, I always remember walking up to the booth and it was fucking broken mm-hmm. by some reprobate who had smashed the screen and stolen the headphones or whatever. Yeah, those headphones were, were always falling apart. You would pick them up it's and they would shatter It's such a funny thing that it's like I forgot it even existed until you watch the yeah. movie again and then you're just like, 
Oh yeah, I remember those little booth the things. The communal headphones. <laughs> that yeah, like, all just or, or they'd have like, God, they'd have, like a bunch of CDs up on the wall, and you'd be like, "I want to try that one," and you'd yeah. like push a button, you'd be like, "Now I'm listening yeah. to it." Oh, yeah, yeah. Like it was very then weird. This punk girl comes up and she's like, oh, "This is a bunch of consumerist <laughs> nonsense." And I wrote down that this is Gen X Ellie Phillips. And oh, uh, thank you so much. I'm like deeply honored that you saw me in that. That young woman is who you would have been if you were born in 1980. Oh my God, bless Um, you. Thank you. That's true. That's true. And so Alan Cumming Uh, whispers another little code into his little lapel. Smells like teen spirit. Great whispering acting from Alan Cumming. It's a very like Robert Zemeckis type of performance. Mm -hmm. It's very back to the future where he'll kind of cross diagonally towards the camera, say something facing the lens and then come back. Yeah, he he fully Um, breaks the fourth wall a few times. So Gen X Ellie uh, gets kidnapped by uh, men in a van. We never find out what happens favorite, to her, like, do we? We do. We yes, do. we do. We do. She's, Actually, she's there one is of the people up. in Parker Posey's oh, lane. The yeah. movie yeah. always follows mm, up. It does. It never leaves anything hanging. Which is what, what brings us to the next scene, actually, because we see this big du jour poster on the street downtown, and they had this huge, like, glittery number one band sign, mm-hmm. and number they're taking it down the from that billboard. And so they take down the number one band in the world, sign from the billboard as the scene is beginning Josie and the Pussycats are out on the sidewalk playing music. All of the extras are coming into the stores uh, and coming out wearing orange this mm-hmm. is a lot of attention to detail, not only yeah. in the sets, but in the the wrangling of the background actors. And they do that yeah. with every color from the beginning mm-hmm. of the film. They're every doing every single that. color, pink to red, everyone red to except pink to for orange. except for Josie to and the Pussycats. Yeah. So Josie, yeah. Mel, Val, and Alan M are the yeah. only people. Um, and then Wyatt and uh, and right. Fiona wear black and white, but everyone yeah. else in the movie is color coded for the Just entire film. And so Justin the Pussycats, uh, they're playing this brilliant. music. The manager of the store comes down. And he says, "No, I have to sell things. They're new. They're orange. <laughs> they're and orange." <laughs> he turned yeah. it into one syllable. Incredible. God bless him. And Alan Cumming is driving down the street. He hasn't found his talent. He's talking to the mysterious Fiona whose face we haven't seen yet, like Dr. Claw. Mm-hmm. He has Ray-Ban logos across his windshield. <laughs> the pigs have been called on Josie and the Pussycats. Mm-hmm. They're running across the street with their instruments in tow, and then they stop like the deer in headlights right in front of the Ray-Ban van, <laughs> and Alan Cumming <laughs> sees them with their instruments, and he holds up his empty it's jewel so case. Good. As the guys who had taken down the number one, one band, band in the, the world, world sign are then crossing the street... This is and like you get the wind and it's almost to paradise at the dashboard light, and it's perfect. <laughs> uh, so good. And then we smash cut into the Starbucks, and he's offering them a deal. And this idea that, like, again, I mean, it's a, such a simple thing, but that, that she's asking, like, you haven't even heard us play, and he, the the idea again that he's like, yeah. oh, I don't, I don't. I don't care. You could sound like anything. As long as I can like use you to sell things, like use your image. Like, can you hold a guitar? Fine. We can have you sound like whatever. People will buy it because we'll tell them to. Yeah. yeah. So then we finally get to see Parker Posey. And honestly, if you're anyone around our age, you probably and you're watching this movie for the first time, you probably already knew she was coming because you recognized her voice. She explains to a group of officials from various countries across the world that she, this record company, had been working with the U.S. government to program youth who are more easily influenced. And that's where we meet our our friend from... uh... 
Hamlet 2000, Mr. Movie Phone. Mm. Yep, he has yes. returned. Who is so good? His who is voice. being encoded into all of the music to basically say, you know, Yvonne et Neoge to everybody. We see Gen X Ellie Phillips in the little like the container of teens who are being forced to wear the the kitty headphones and listening to Mr. Movie Phone propagandize to them. Just to talk about line readings for a second, one of my favorite deliveries in this film is Parker Posey, where the, where the, the guy is like, uh-huh. is that? And she's like, Mr. Movie Phone, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's Mr. Movie Phone. She's so and you're like, ah! So she is so fucking funny in this movie. Rewatching it only reinforced for me that I am not actually funny, but I'm just constantly doing an impression of Parker <laughs> trying Posey. Trying to be Parker Posey. Yeah. I'm just yeah. trying to do this performance all the time. Um, whether or not it's appropriate. Not that Will Ferrell as Mugatu and Zoolander is not also iconic, but I feel like everyone always remembers that. And this is like, uh, like, I I would argue it surpasses Mugatu for me. Like it really. It's so smart. Bonkers performance. (laughs) But so specific. Like it's because Mugatu pulls the curtain back. You know, he does the thing at the end where he's like, don't you realize that all the looks are just the same look? Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, that's 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 what was funny about it. It's not funny now. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, Mugatu. Yeah. Thank God they don't have Fiona going and being like, I don't know. Did you see all the brands that are on this set? How dumb. How weird. Why are you all enjoying yeah, this? Yeah, we're like, like yeah. that's the joke. This is also the scene where we get Fiona having that interaction with a guy from what the the Pentagon, right? General Petraeus. <laughs> yes, yes. Just yes. General Petraeus, Petraeus making uh, a very yeah. early uh, <laughs> film cameo. Yeah. Everyone, look who's here! Ginch Berman. Hey, everybody. Oh. Hello, John. Welcome from his void. So I, I want to cut us over just back to New York for a second. They fly into New York, and downtown, we just see the entire city is covered in brand. Mm-hmm. They are met oh, yeah. by the golden arches of McDonald's mm-hmm. like St. Louis and its single arch. The World Trade Center is just swarmed with like prudential real estate and Ray-Ban and Starbucks, billboards all the way up and down oh, both towers. They even take Times Square and and expand that to even greater absurdity. Yeah, like you get the Lion King poster, and but then you get like... A hundred million other posters. <laughs> yeah, it, it is the most hectic I've ever seen Times Square look. And that is Yeah. It gave a me anxiety to be truthful design. looking at that city. <laughs> I was just, just like again, it's it's they live for teenage girls and young homosexuals. And Josh. Thanks. I feel like the part where we get to New York is where the movie really starts to come alive, honestly. Like it is pretty enjoyable up until that point. Yeah. But this is this is when you start to see what sort of the thesis of the movie is, honestly. Like yeah. visually it is communicated by the Golden Arches being right at the battery and being roughly half the height of the fucking World Trade Center. And, and up until this point, they've done like a pretty good job place setting, um, at least within the Pussycats themselves, like this idea, like they're going to be friends forever. They're all yeah, uh, they're in each bus other's passes. bus pass photos. Every time we get these little friendship scenes, we hear this little motif that eventually becomes spin around the, like the very last song of the movie. Oh, Because again, wow. it's very, very smart with these little cues and the way that it's actually using all Josie music. Yeah. 
in the main score. Would this be a good time to uh-huh. talk about the costumes? Have we already talked about that? Because no, we have not talked about the costumes. Not, uh, aside from I the extras. the costumes. Oh. What was it with women's clothes at this time where they were like, we're going to make this out of the cheapest, dingiest, oh, well, you're thinnest like fabric that we can. It's going to last two <laughs> yeah. days at most, and they're never going to be also, able to wear this little cut-up crop thing ever again. things that, that Josie always does, which is such a thing that I, I know I always used to do, and I'm sure you did too, Ellie, was like cut your shirts into and make like hand like cuffs make your little wrist, wristbands, little wristbands yes. <laughs> using like parts of your shirt <laughs> oh and i was like yeah I this mean, is cool i cut up like a led zeppelin t-shirt to wear as a jacket <laughs> like just like backwards what? it was a, it was a thing i don't know <laughs> how could we make clothes into other clothes <laughs> they're Please perfectly tell me you good still clothes have this. But yeah I do you still have that one jesse i do somewhere yes <laughs> It's right here. Uh, <laughs> and the other, so they're all dressed up. They're all in their hair just to go to the studio and record. Yeah. Uh, and and, yeah, and that yeah. first studio that they go to record in uh, looks like the room where Mike TV was killed. Uh, <laughs> the walls are mushy. <laughs> so, so Josie and the Pussycats record and there's this weird new compressor that's in that studio. It's 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 the it's the big thing and the big uh, whenever they record their music through it end. it does all of their backup vocals. Sure and does. what's interesting is all three girls they had to like learn how to play their instruments. They studied for like a month. Yeah, they yeah. went to they, they went to band to camp and they all sing the backup. They actually sing the backup vocals. I, I wasn't really paying that much attention to Josie or Valerie but Tara Reid is like really doing it. She's she can, those she's, she's like on it. Even though Kay, Kay yeah. Hanley is singing the the lead vocal for Josie. Yes, from Letters to Cleo. All three women are singing backup, including yeah. Rachel Lee Cook. She just didn't feel comfortable singing the lead vocals. Du jour is not doing their own vocals, which I think fits <laughs> thematically. Well, yeah. and everything was produced by Sledge. Well, no, 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 there were two producers. We did about half of the, the There songs. were two producers, uh, and this needs one. to be said, Babyface, yeah. who also yes. makes a cameo in the movie. And Babyface was a, mainly an R&B producer. Right. Fun fact, so he was, a, he was yeah. an EP on the movie, and then he got involved in doing the soundtrack, and he was like you know what I think it'll be fun like it's not a genre I work in but like let's have a good time I guess and so many different people that were like not really huge but like were well known were involved and so it's kind of incredible that it Mm -hmm. sounds as cohesive as it does because so many people wrote like a song or like three people collaborated on a song but Babyface produced most of it and everything he didn't produce Adam Schlesinger oh my god I can never say his name right yeah me neither uh, Fountains of Wayne Who also wrote That Thing You Do from That Thing Mm -hmm. You Do. And then you also got Counting Crows. Adam Duritz from The Counting Crows. Jane Wider from... Wielden, the Cogos. Yeah, Wielden, thank you. Babyface later collaborated with Fall Out Boy. And the reason Fall Out Boy worked with Babyface was because they heard Josie and the Pussycats and were like, this is... Like, you, we knew you could get our sound because you did the Josie and the Pussycat uh, soundtrack. Tell me it was Sugar We're Going Down. That's what I, I want to hear. no idea what song it was. I'd like to think Sorry. that it was Sugar We're Going Down just because at the beginning of the movie, Brecken Meyer says number one with a bullet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, he wrote it down like, this is going to be a, a, another line somewhere. Like, Hold <laughs> on. Is that, time. Is that um, just a phrase then? I'd never encountered that phrase Yeah, number that one song, with a bullet. A, I mean, what is, what the, is a number yeah, one I, with a bullet? I don't know the etymology of that. Is that when you're urinating... Mm-hmm. 
and you have yeah. a gun. With a bullet just means really fucking quickly. So yeah. you're just being number one fast, or is it still a urine thing? You just, you shot to number yeah. one. Oh. Wow. Yeah, I've never heard this one. Also, I've only just, heard like, just like that, um, the other people on this podcast had not heard the word bodlerization. That is completely different. <laughs> that is that completely is different. That is completely, completely, completely different. different it's, the, it's the same thing. The usual Sometimes lexicon. you hear a word Brian, and sometimes you don't. Did Brian not know the word bodlerization? I know the no three one of us did, okay. Josh. Josh, this There's is Jesse not a word that is used in that's everyday a, language. That's a pretty common word. It's I'm taking Brian's side on this one. Yeah, like, I, I did say. Well, the, I did minority. tell them the origin of the yes. word, which is not commonly known about Thomas Bodler and the. Well, of course, nobody of knows Lear, that. But like, Christ. still, yeah. the word is known. Yeah, we outnumber right, you. Right. There are dozens there of us. Are dozens. At least three of us and two of you, and that's math. Jesse, you were going to say something. Oh, I was just going to say that it must be said speaking of music just that um even though it was not a box office hit that the songs were a hit uh right i don't know if they made it to yeah the album oh. they went were, gold the album went gold uh, wait what? the album yeah. went gold the album went that's gold. so I mean, cool the no one saw the movie they all just went and bought incredible. the album the album doesn't even the album doesn't even have you know, kind of like the Spider-Man Two thing, where they're like, "Here's Nickelback or whatever." The, you know, it's it's just is... Josie and the Pussycats and Dujour. Yes, right. Well, that's the thing is that it's, Nickelback it's... is on the album. It's just very low in in the background, uh, and thus explains their success <laughs> later on. The the songs that baby mm. they were both on the same album. The album was Infinity on High. The two songs okay. that baby that Babyface worked on were. I'm like a lawyer with the way I'm always trying to get you off. And thanks for the memories. Ah, yes, Fallout yes. Boy <laughs> is the only musician in history to make song titles longer than Sufjan Stevens. Wait, is it just <laughs> one? Is it just one Fallout Boy? He's a musician? Not it's not a band. It's a band. He's oh there's, no, 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 there's he's multiple a, he's boys. A solo fallout boy. It's one boy. There's it's only just one, one boy. But but Pete went and fallout there are everyone else died from the nuke. He's you know, the I'm fallout so confused. boy. But you said musician, not I'm so confused. He's one <laughs> guy. Say, what you're He's not one guy. The rest of them got nuked. Well, Patrick's one. One wow. could. They, they were originally normal, what? non-contaminated air boys, and then a nuke dropped, and then Google there was this. fallout, and there was my only one boy left. My skin is falling off my flesh. Would you like a rock song? One could easily make the argument that Patrick Stump is the titular Fallout Boy. Um, yeah, but ultimately, it's it's, it's all of them. Stumps. It's all of them Just combined the that constitute Fallout fall Boy as shelter. a whole. Yes. Um, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. They contain the fallout. That's right. Yeah. That's what Fallout New Vegas is all about. At the end of the day, <laughs> the, the, fall, the Fallout Boy was the friends we made along the way. Uh, let's. Uh, let's that the truth? That's very true. That's a phrase I know. Yeah. We. we, we <laughs> the classic phrase. So let's uh, move on. Talk a little bit about then uh, what happens after they have successfully recorded their single. The. Uh, Powerful backing track and uh, production has been added. This, of course, suddenly fills them with a desire to what was it again? Buy Taco Bell or something like oh, that? Yeah, get a Big yes. Mac. Terry get wants to get a Big Mac. Terry goes all in on McDonald's. Right? They're jerking. <laughs> They're jerking. They're jerking. They're totally jerking. It's they jerking. Totally jerking. Now wait, I can't remember. Was jerking a phrase from that time? That no, no, no. Jerking no, is made, made up by the movie. That's why it's like all the it's like all the fake slang and heathers everything else is yeah. is real uh 
but yeah. Drickin is. And for me, that's a joke that actually paid off really well. When I went and read some of the reviews, there was one reviewer who thought that bit and all of the bits were extremely unfunny, but that reviewer is an idiot. So <laughs> we get another montage. We get two montages Hell in like yeah. five minutes. Uh, I'm at the top of the world at this point. <laughs> How could you not? I'm be? so happy. And, you I know, miss I'm montages. just like, here, let, just take me in, Sergei Eisenstein. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Sergei mm-hmm. Eisenstein. I love was it. The, yeah, who's. No, no, this is, this he, is he a reference we all know. Of no, we don't Soviet have to explain montage. this. Okay, great. No, this is fine. We're all very, we're all very. It's, very a, it's a form of dialectical editing that cuts. Mm. Uh, I fucking in, so love it when shit Potemkin. is dialectical, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking Die love dialectical materialists. You know this about yeah. me. Let's keep Justin going. Justin the Pussycats is a dialectical materialist. It actually movie. is. It uh, definitely is. <laughs> so basically using this technology, uh, the Pussycats like enter the stratosphere. Suddenly they are like the number right. one band. They are literally yes. in the climbing the charts, like physically doing they literally it, sitting yeah. on the lines the of the billboard. That's a lot of fun. They take the little limo up to the top. And, and they do a whole music video. Oh my gay little so heart! Uh, it's like, and honestly, it's the music burst. video is so good. When she reaches oh, up and amazing. pulls the screen down, and you're like zooming out, and then they're on a TV screen. Uh-huh. I also say that Tara Reed, uh, walking down the street and running into somebody who is dressed like her, and then briefly <laughs> thinking that it's a clone of her, and freaking out and running away. And we get for the second time I, that wonderful Muppet arms that she does so yeah. well. I scream <laughs> laughed. Runs. I'm just like, mm-hmm, no, that's a perfect joke. That is a perfect joke. <laughs> and uh, after this. Montage. Yeah, we're gonna have the party for Josie at Fiona's house. They've already started to try and drive a wedge between Josie and right. Valerie mm-hmm. specifically. Yes. Um, yeah. Because That's Valerie right. is, let's say, the most aware of all three of the yeah. of the pussy. Valerie cats. like gives things a second thought, and because yeah. they're in love um, with each other, we've talked about I this, mean, right? Here's what I'll say: I can absolutely watch this movie and say it's very gay. But I can also watch this movie and be like, sisterly affection. This is also just, oh God, I can't believe I'm going to say it. This is female friendship, baby. This is female friendship. This is female friendship. There's a lot of love. Again, I could also see that either way. Yeah, I think it could be read either way. It certainly spoke to my little queer heart. I would say it's a heavily bisexual film. You you get Alan coming in the first five minutes. It's like this movie is is purely bisexual. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. Uh, You're right. Alan coming in in Parker Posey. That's a dream. That's a bisexual film. He enters the movie with his little Lord Farquaad haircut. Even with that hair. I mean, even because he played all of these comic releases cartoonish characters at this point in time. Yeah. And they're all just so viscerally erotic, every single one of them. Parker Posey is throwing a party uh, for Josie. And really, but the idea... really, it's for herself. But really, it's for herself, <laughs> which right. is funny. And, and all of the branding at this point gets... Repl- you know, instead of seeing McDonald's and Starbucks and Motorola, everything in this party just says Fiona. Fiona. Right. It's all Fiona. Yeah, There's the script F's on everything. They have the Andy yep. Warhol of her face. <laughs> it's um, so good. <laughs> incredible. She even um, remixes think, one of the, the Pussycats remix, songs. The jazz remix is my, I think, the funniest moment in the entire movie the for me is when she yeah. does a choreographed dance with a group <laughs> of backup <laughs> dancers to the, like, jazzy mm-hmm. version. That... Why do you do what you do to me, baby? <laughs> what a fucking gay the moment. Walk. I love it so much. Like she has all of these attendants. She's waited up. on by all of these very <laughs> yes. intense homosexuals 
who yes, will turn is... only for her. I had to rewind. I had to I stop wanna... and rewind just that moment like three times in a row. It's so good. It's and she has this this good. polka dot dress, and she's taken polka dots off of the skirt and glued them to decolletage. And then my favorite line when she gets after being like, "Welcome to your party," uh, and then she's like, "Enough with the spectacle. Let's go be girls." So up until this point, yeah, we think that it is going to be, this is going to be the big twist in the plot. This is going to be the big moment where they kidnap Josie or something like that. But as it turns out, Fiona's just desperately lonely and desperately in need of <laughs> affirmation. And so when she gets into her bedroom uh, and is trying to hang out with the girls, uh, it's just painfully, painfully awkward. Uh, yeah, and, she's trying yeah. to be like 14 again, right. but like cool this time. So she flops onto her bed. One of the greatest sets in the whole in a movie of great sets is this bedroom which yes. is mm-hmm. like it is. it is made of concrete so it's got this like <laughs> hyper like ex machina futuristic architecture going on but then yep. she has like a victorian dollhouse and like old creepy dolls and like one wall is <laughs> le- pink leather and it's and it's, it's cushioned so and it's weird. got like little buttons on it and there's a uh. Hello Kitty and it's just like it is it is partway between like what what someone who has never actually met a human girl child yeah. right. thinks like this mm-hmm. is what girl wants but in like a cave. It's so mm-hmm. and, it's yeah. so wildly and uncomfortable. She is so and it's emblematic perfect. of like someone who runs a label or someone who runs a movie studio where she's like so how much do you weigh? Ha! I'm lighter than you by three pounds or whatever. She eats uh, the little Pringle. Yeah. She's like, oh, I'm She fat. doesn't even she eat the Pringle. She picks up the yeah, Pringle. Like, so she, she, picks picks it up. she goes, she goes, mm, picks up a Pringle, puts it on the plate, and then she picks it up and goes, ah, I shouldn't. And then throws it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and the massage, starting to awkwardly massage. I think she's at once like a child, but she's yes. hyper competitive. She, you know, she wants to be at the very top of the world for at the end of the day, which I think is true of most of the people who are at the top of society, just wants nothing more than to be thought of as kind of cool. Yeah. Which Friends is a line that Alan Cumming also echoes is like, you know, yeah. what, what's the point of being famous if not to let the people in high school that thought you were not cool right. think you're cool. It's really sharp. I will also say that I think this movie is... It just moves from one incredibly ugly room to the next incredibly <laughs> ugly room. Uh, it's just, and it's so beautifully shot. I mean, again, as as we said earlier, as Ellie brought up earlier, that this movie was shot by you know the uh, the DP for uh, Requiem for a Dream. So and awesome. there are times when I look at these rooms and I'm like, if this were shot a little bit. Uh, harsher lighting. This could be an Aronofsky <laughs> set. You know, this could well, be a very different totally kind of movie. Is, is like an Aronofsky collaborator. Did Mother as I well? I feel like the production design in this movie. It's it's very austere on one level. Like there's all the hard concrete, hard edge surfaces, stuff like that. And then they dress it in a maximalist way, and the costumes are all very over the top yeah. as well. But the effect is that you feel like you are incredibly out of place whenever Mm -hmm. you are in any of these settings. And they contrast this as well with what the world feels like outside, you know, the outside world, where we are before this movie happens, you know, a very real, very normal, very grounded bowling alley. Their place where they live together, which seems like really normal and real and lived in and like... Kind of, you know, they've hung up beads where that has been lived in and has been sort of developed over time. You know, someone finds something, brings it home. And and then they're in this disgusting penthouse... (laughs) 
where everything is white. It's like and there and it's just narrow. Revlon across the the Revlon, Revlon penthouse uh, is one of my across favorite. the windows and on the carpet too. It's like embroidered into the carpet by the front door of the apartment. Well, they're being they've been surveilled this entire time, right? Like yeah. they're they're having tabs kept on them by everybody at all times, and something is going to happen. Uh, we know this. This is obviously being very much uh, implied in the way that things are going. And mm-hmm. what they're able to get a moment, though, of quiet, a moment of peace, or at least Josie's able to get uh, a moment of quiet, a moment of peace, where she ends up at an aquarium with, with L&M, right? Or, or yep. Yeah, at yep. We have not talked day. about yet. We have not talked about oh. L&M yet. L&M. And I would really like to, because yeah, I love the fact that he's a doofus. I love this doofy, doofy you mean little a boy. Himbo? <laughs> Would we call Izzy a himbo? He's not hot enough to be a himbo. I think he's hot enough to be a himbo. I think he's just kind of a doof. He's, he's, just just a, doof. he's just a dorky guy with a guitar. Although my favorite nickname for Alan M coming from Alan Cumming, who refuses to say his <laughs> name the entire film. My favorite one was Adam 12, which is what I think Elon Musk and Grimes should have named their baby instead. Uh, well, that actually that is actually a pretty good transition uh, because they are actually they are actually our this week's sponsor. And we should probably <laughs> cut away to them uh, before, really? before we're all murdered. Hey, folks. So I've got a problem with a lot of robot related tasks around my house. I have so many tasks and no robot to do them. Do you like robots? Well, because do you have tasks? Because here we go. At Tesla, we, uh, we, if you like, if you want a robot, we've got a picture of one. You gotta, there's a guy, we put him in a suit. Uh, it doesn't look like a robot, but we said it did. And then that guy in a suit, that guy in a suit, he danced. He danced. Um, and then, and then uh, I had a guy make a, a wireframe, and then he colored it uh, robot colors. And then I put up a graph that said, "Hey, this is a robot, and it's not very good, so that people believe that it was real." My name's Elon Musk. And fuck you. This whole thing is a cryptocurrency pump and dump. Suck my dick, bitch. Like the the movie made 15 mil or something. Just a terrible box office. Well, I have to assume that what happened was like they saw they saw what this movie was going to be. And then they got Mr. Movie Phone to be like, don't watch Josie and the Pussycats. This movie is terrible. They put that in the uh, All the Small Things video. Right. Or whatever was number one at the time. Like, (laughs) All the Small Things. (laughs) Always. I know. You'll be at my show. Watching. (laughs) Waiting. Some of Fun you are fact. a little too low. It's it's really important that you're in the correct audience. Say it ain't so. I will not go. Turn the lights off. Carry. I never stopped recording. Yeah. 
And so Josie's hanging out with with Alan M at the aquarium. The Evian Aquarium. With the belugas hunted down by fans who even jump into the water holding signs for her and carrying waterproof disposable cameras. Uh, Which is another thing I just like seeing in this movie. Because again, this movie is is a critique of the time. All the Kodak disposable cameras at the concert. the movie is satirical, yeah. but it also is completely celebratory as well, right? Like how Josie's music is all sincere. Like they just mm-hmm. they, like the movie believes that that music is good. Um, this yeah. movie is like the '90s, the early 2000s. 9/11 hasn't happened. This is the era in which we live, and and that's why it's so. Avril fun. Lavigne still has not caused 9/11. No. Uh, <laughs> glad we keep hitting that uh, uh i just got a, a news alert that avril lavigne <laughs> has set up a provisional government in kabul oh and, <laughs> wow that was so yeah. quick yeah but sh- this this moment in the aquarium i just like I, just imagine imagine this aquarium taking tons of evian bottles and dumping them into the tanks like one, one at by a time. one. Because <laughs> like, the implication is that the water is Evian. It's right? actually Evian. Yeah. Yes. Right. Right. The implication yeah. is that the aquarium is full of water provided by Evian. Yes. Well, Incredible. Gen- Genuinely, Jesse, the fact that you thought it was one at a time, I just assumed it was like a truck that came, but one, it's ha- it has to be one at a time. No, yeah, it, it, it comes to it be be from bottles. That's how it works. And I yeah. mean, that would also just go along with the like just terrible, wasteful consumerist. Yeah. Well, that, <laughs> like, that's the thing. Jumping out plastic bottles. That's the thing that's so interesting oh, yeah. about, like, it's it's obviously, it's a bit. They get the Evian logo to sponsor this. But yeah, I mean, yeah. The, the, Belugas also are like animals that are, I don't know if they're endangered, but they're not doing great out there. Certainly not. Single-use disposable water bottles are one of the single worst things to ever happen to the environment, period. Mm -hmm. It's not just about the water. Not to mention the single-use disposable cameras that everyone is using at this point in time. Exactly. That's all plastic, too. It destroys destroys our uh, oceans. Uh, The microplastics make their way into the the food uh, ecosystem and, you know, kill birds and shit like that. We know this. But that's kind of the point, right? They're having this Mm -hmm. really, really heartfelt conversation with each other that's very sweet, and it's in front of belugas in the Evian Aquarium. It's like like everything, it, it really encapsulates everything that this, the balancing act that this movie uh, is always trying to pull off. Yeah. yeah, you're trying to find yeah. love and friendship in a world that is wasting all that plastic. I just remember taking a trip around this time and packing my suitcase half full of clothes and half full of like 10 disposable cameras because that's just <laughs> yeah. how you took pictures right. of your trip. Yeah. yeah, whenever we went on a trip, we'd like all me, my brother and my sister would probably all get a disposable mm-hmm. camera. And mm-hmm. then we had like my mom's like main like zoom point and shoot but we would like each of us get a camera yep. and, and there were always like new experimental kinds of disposable cameras like we went on a dc trip once and got a 3d disposable camera what? Where you had to, what does that mean? you couldn't just bring it to walgreens you had to send that back to the 3d camera <laughs> to the <labs>. company <laughs> and so it would take it would take three pictures and print it uh, like those little like holographic cards. Uh huh. So yeah. a lenticular print wow. uh, where you could see the whole three dimensional image. <laughs> wow. Absolutely insane stuff. What a what an incredible time to be what alive. What a the time to be alive. 
I would history take that, really I think, did end over being able to take pictures of like anything at any given moment. I yeah, would, like, honestly, <laughs> it rocks. <laughs> um, awesome. And it's a shame that it doesn't exist anymore. What Wyatt is doing is he's isolating Josie, right? Not only from the other pussycats, but especially Valerie, right? Because mm-hmm. Valerie's the one who's on to their shenanigans. Although uh, Melody also is. So they say, like, you know, these two are asking too many questions. <clears throat> Get him yeah. out of there. Yeah. And also isolating Josie from Alan M right. just because Wyatt thinks that Alan M will will make her downwardly mobile because he's not that talented. <laughs> um, sweet boy, but, you know, he's got an upper limit. Yeah, just has, like, no future. <laughs> but Alexandra loves him. Horny energy. She is hopelessly horny horny. the horniest energy of any actor on the planet, maybe. Missy so, Kyle. Not non-threatening horny energy, but also relentless. <laughs> and, and so she's there to see Alan M and she she's so desperate to get in there and he 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 just doesn't want her around the other two girls have been told now that they have the opportunity to go on TRL this is a a whole inside joke because at that time Tara Reid was dating Oh, okay. daily. They did bring up shortly yeah. after the movie came out, but they were yeah. dating wow. at the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, Ellie and Jesse, did you ever go to TRL? Did you ever go I to Viacom was just Studios? Gonna say yes, oh several God. times. Okay. Several times. No. <laughs> no I, well, okay. No, I should say I never actually made it inside. Right. Okay. But I waited outside <clears throat> yeah, many Square, a time. Right? In Times Square, it was in Times Square. Uh, I went several times. After, I would leave school early a couple of times. I was a good student, but I left yes, school yes, early a, really a couple good student. times. I can't you can just do that. A really good Clay Aiken fan and wanted to get a good spot standing in the crowd outside. And they'd come to the window and it'd be like, oh, "There's Clay," and I'd you know we'd all wave. Oh and so I did God. that for Clay Aiken many uh, several times. And then mm. um, one time I happened to be in Times Square when the cast of Harry Potter was there, and I, I got Hermione Emma Watson's autograph on uh, using a, a pencil and some loose leaf paper from school. That's great. My my brain literally just, per- I didn't realize that TRL was still around when the Potter movies were being made. I mean, of course they would. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was, Potter it was, was early was on. Also yeah. TRL yeah. When they were in two, I think. 2006 yeah. or 2007? And the, the, the movie started in like 99, I think. I always hated TRL because they'd play the music video that you could see normally in the morning right except that they'd play half of it and they'd always throw i don't know jesse or somebody into the lower corner of the screen and have her like say i love my whole family and then scream (laughs) (laughs) if only if only i made it they never had you scream on the they never got you in the lower corner again i wasn't inside the studio i was waiting i'm sorry to hear that um Mm. I thing, never went how to dare that. They? But they, yes. they did not recognize your star power. Jesse, I did. I will say, yes. side note, is that at, around this time, my brother was flying with a friend to France and Carson Daly was in the airport. It was a big deal at the time. <laughs> and my dad didn't know who it was, but my brother was like, that's Carson Daly. So my, my dad went up to Carson Daly and was like, hey, man, my son's flying alone. You're like, could you be nice to him on the plane? And unlike his character in this movie, Carson Daly was very nice and invited oh. my my brother and his friend up to first class, and they like listened. To what? And he took out a baseball bat. <laughs> Your brother hung out with Carson Daly in first class in, first in like two thousand three or something. Holy shit! That's like peak Carson. My brother uh, wasn't even like like he was like I don't know who this guy really is, yeah. but like he's famous. <laughs> he, he, he was actually confused, and he found out later that it was Aries Spears. 
the whole time. <laughs> doing just doing, doing a saying Bill Cosby. that he's Carson Daly doing a Bill Cosby impression. This is another great piece of set design. Oh, it's wonderful because like, we, we, oh, it's we have wonderful. to communicate. They have to communicate. Oh, TRL is a real thing. It's a real set. It's real windows looking out onto the city. But this is a fake TRL that's set up just so Carson Daly can kill people in it. And they they, <laughs> they have built something that really does resemble. So, I re- yeah. a, a couple a couple points here. First of all. I remember the first time that I went to Times Square and I saw, you know, Viacom Studios there. And I don't think they even use that window for anything anymore. But just for people who have not been to Times I, Square. I think one of the morning show uses it because mm. uh, I was on a billboard across the street from it uh, when you, that, you when Paradiso opened. Oh, yeah, 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 Brian yeah, was yeah. on a billboard. That's true. In yeah. Times Square. For an escape room. And uh, <laughs> so there was some <laughs> morning show really cool. that someone screen capped because okay. I was in the background on the billboard. Um, so at least in 2016, they were it using could have, it. It could have been ABC shows. potentially, though, because ABC also has a studio in Times Square on the other right? side. Because MTV also moved their offices. And that was hmm. after, I want to say it was after TRL, but okay. like, yeah, because I remember I when I interned and I like had to do deliveries around Times Square, I got to go into the MTV building, like right. where TRL used to be. And I was like, fuck, I always wanted to do this. But yeah, I was never going to go to Times Square voluntarily. And for those uh, of well, you who now MTV's headquarters is just in Rob Deerdick's living room. <laughs> <laughs> for those of you who have not been to Times Square, the Viacom building don't go. is on the don't corner. Don't go. Right. The Viacom building is on the northwest corner oh, of Broadway in 46. And there is a window that like just sits out a little bit over Times Square. And if you grew up watching TRL, uh, if you're, you know, a, a, a boomer like like us, you're um, you probably <laughs> you may have noticed that, like, it is not that big or you probably didn't because TV studios don't look big on TV. It yeah, don't look small on TV, nook. but it's a teeny yeah. tiny little room. Yeah. And that was yeah. the thing that struck me about it when I saw it in person from the street for the first time. I was like, that's not that big. And similarly, the way that they set up this scene. So, again, the Pussycats are back at TRL, uh, and it is a weird version of TRL that is not real. It is totally indoors. There's no famous window. The drop is fake. And uh, who comes out but uh, a guy who says he's Carson Daly, but is... But he's actually just a mad TV cast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. And there is, like, there is a window, but it's fake. Right, Like, it's, right. like, not... Yeah, it's a and there is a the screens, and they're all but cardboard. It has tape... In t- taped out with Which tape is, is TRL awesome. on the studio audience is just different like cut, cutouts of like Matt Damon and Johnny Depp <laughs> and uh, then what happens is you think that's the twist but then actual Carson Daly comes out <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it turns out that they've both been contracted uh, to to kill uh, Valerie right because what is an assassination if not a request that's right so they whip out a couple baseball bats and uh, this sets off a whole scene where they go back and forth it's very funny with, with a line that really shouldn't work but because this movie is just so uh, affable and charming more like total request dead yeah and what does he say that he's like if I wasn't a key player in this whole like global, <laughs> conspiracy global plot to, to enslave the youth of America or whatever uh, I do and I, I, I do love the like in thinking about the larger implications of like okay this world in which Carson Daly is still real and Eugene Levy is still right. real yeah, and TRL is still real and it's one of, it is one of my like favorite moments for Mel where you're like oh it could just be the dumb thing where they're like yeah. yes now we're in love and then she's like no 
oh, you tried to kill me. And then like, you know. With a bat. With a bat. Yeah. And, and she, you know, shoves she him off with murders Matt, Matt him with a cardboard cutout <laughs> of, of Matt, Matt Damon. Damon. It's great. And, and it's like, you're much more my type. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And Josie is listening to a new mix of a, a single right. from the album that's her singing solo. Right. And Mr. Movie Phone is telling her to abandon her friends. Which we don't know quite yet, but we sort of figure out that this has been happening yeah. then when the girls get back, they see Josie. All of a sudden, she's like, I'm better than you. Just straight up like. Yeah. She becomes Reba McIntyre. Right. Getting her nails uh, done. At least and in hair. My sister telling me this line is what got me to watch this movie. When she goes to Melody and says, puppies turn into dogs who grow old and die. <laughs> so good. I have to say, again, another brilliant comedic moment that is only funny because Tara Reed plays it so earnestly is her yeah. crying at the yeah. puppies. Oh, her it's just so like good. when they're doing the the sad montage of everyone feeling alone and Tara Reed is just crawled up to a cage of full of golden retriever puppies just <laughs> like just a sobbing. Store. Just but full with sobbing. With the full knowledge that they're all gonna yeah, die. Just looking at their Every- impending deaths. <laughs> Everyone is splintered. Everyone is suffering. Everyone is alone, including Josie. And, by the way, like she, she's she's yes. walking around and she's still yeah. listening to the the stuff on the headphones. But it's clear that it's like yeah. distressing her, right? And we get more of that uh, requiem for a dream cinematography. While everyone else is losing friends and losing what connects them to their humanity, Alexander Cabot III is suffering the greatest tragedy of all. That <laughs> he can't. He is get standing outside of pants. Barney's. And he can't get the pants yeah. that match his shirt. And I, I just feel have like to I say, four scenes. I just in this have movie. to say, rest in peace, Barney's. You are now a spirit Halloween, and that's not a joke. Yeah. They really? got skeletons. It's actually Wait, you a spirit Halloween this? right now. Barney's is a spirit Halloween. Yes, sir. It is in fact. Yes, sir. Oh my it is in fact. God. Which means it's... that Jesse, you might be in Barney's now. That's very exciting. I might be having my clothes sold in Barney's. <laughs> uh, we should man. we should probably explain that Jesse was yes. once a model uh, for a Dorothy costume, uh, and still are are you still Halloween. that model? Uh, I haven't seen it in stores in in brick and mortar stores in. You're in getting a, in you're, a, you're getting supplanted. The, so. the kids are coming up from behind, right? Yeah, she's being replaced by Zoomer Dorothy. <laughs> <laughs> Although I they, did, you guys see that Spirit Halloween is looking for a chief spirit. Officer, um, it's a real job you can apply for. Okay. And you have to be a ghost. You love Halloween, and gosh darn it, I you do. You should do it. <laughs> this Jessie, is my official pitch. <laughs> do this, Jesse. Do this, this just for the bit, if nothing else. I give you the worst of all possible worlds. That's right. Chief Spirit Officer, <laughs> Jesse. This is genuinely like tonight. I cannot think of anyone more prepared. It's a fit. Is what it is. Truly, that role yeah. than you. You've already Actually, been in the store for one years. Of our, one of our twelve patron patrons on Patreon is uh, the CEO of Spirit Halloween. Right. So. Thank convenience. God. We can <laughs> make a call. straight into his ear. We can make a call. Um, That's why I came on here tonight to make my plea. Um. <laughs> and then she goes to Alexander Cabot the Third and Alexandra Cabot for help. Uh, they break into the studio and. <laughs> Try to isolate the now orange studio, completely orange yeah. walled studio. And they go into yep. the mixing room the and foam uh, has aged by by it's apparently this is a multi-track recording somehow. Uh, and they were they're able <laughs> on CD, they're able on CD. 
question mark and they're able to uh use you isolate. know isolate you isolate uh. the track uh using the sliders that has mr movie phone of course yeah. letting them know that josie is totally jerkin <laughs> and this is where brian we get your was it your favorite line you said your favorite line reading of uh, <gasps> you slept with him <laughs> <laughs> With Mr. It's, movie phone. Yeah, the implication, Alexandra assumes that the way Josie got this onto the CD was by sleeping with Mr. Movie Phone. That's awesome. Uh, Mr. Movie Phone fucks confirmed. Uh, yeah. I'm so... I'm so happy. How do you told me? Say. <laughs> how do you told me at the beginning of watching this movie that uh, there would be a, li- a line about Mr. Movie Phone fucking about three fourths of the way through it? I would not have believed you. Look, but with the, a voice you like also that, get, I uh, mean, come on. <laughs> you also get. Uh, uh, if uh, you want me to touch you, plus one. Uh, a lovely moment of physical comedy from Rachel Lee Cook when she like tries to take the Mr. Movie Phone compressor device. She's like, we have to show the world, and she just decides <laughs> like, I can get this out. <laughs> Yeah, take this. <laughs> and pushes her entire body against also, it. Also, all the slurping effects. Again. Also, speaking again as this, as like a, one of the final, like of a 90s movie eras, all, all of the like, all the sound effects, all the slurping effects, the feather mm-hmm. costume that Parker mm-hmm. Posey has, all the weird little effects. It, it well, feels very like, like end of yeah. old, like 90s, early 2000s. Even like the turn, right. like the sharp turns yeah. of the yeah, characters the- being accompanied by a. <laughs> Well, like and, that's such a and the way that, such a that action gets choreographed, artifact. like the number of times that people get yanked out of frame, mm-hmm. the motion that they give to the the action matching and the edits, it's it's beautiful. It's really, really it's cartoony. Good. Very like cool. it, what they're, yeah. they're doing is they're taking the aesthetic of a cartoon and turning it into a movie. One mm-hmm. of the things that I saw in the reviews of this movie, because again, apparently they saw a different fucking movie, was that yeah. um <laughs> like this didn't. Uh, do justice to this like this 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 didn't feel in tune with the spirit of the cartoon or like this is just like a, a shameless Guys, cash grab the cartoon sucks so all bad all those cartoons like, are terrible if you've ever watched any Hanna-Barbera cartoon including especially even the original Scooby-Doo it's awful. That's why it's all well, really bad. That's also guys. why shit like C Lab is so fucking funny because they take these terrible yeah. cartoons and they make them watchable. Honestly, though, how did this movie get made? Uh, like, I, I just—it's around this right. Yeah. It's like, how did they get this past the studio it's and wild. past Archie Comics and past all of these people who probably wanted something a little bit more Hanna Barbera, a little bit more straightforward, maybe more grounded. Yeah, well, yeah. Mary could have easily been just like, oh, and they go, and then she becomes the superstar, right. and mm-hmm. there's like a rift between friends, right. and instead. It's this whole like anti-capitalist creed. Which Can is- I also just say that there's nothing funnier to me than trapping them in a convertible with only yes. their hands yeah. tied. Yes. yes, that is trapping them. And He's, and they still uh, have the display. It just rotating keeps rotating the whole time. entire scene. Tara Reed spinning her oh, head, yeah. like looking behind her each time Josie's trying to talk to her. <laughs> so, but like good. this is, Again. but then this is this uh, is like the the motivation right this is the reason that Josie needs to go and perform the concert is because you know she has to perform the concert in order for the MacGuffin to get deployed the MacGuffin yeah. needs to get deployed in order and for everybody to uh, fall fall victim yeah, to the plan so, so Josie, right. it's the same climax as Batman Forever yeah so Josie can't be killed the way that they killed Dujour because the special headphones that get live updates from Mr. Movie Phone are cat ears so they're made with cat ears. They have to be related to Josie and the Pussycats. Right. They cannot just crash them on a plane. Mm-hmm. So uh, <laughs> they're in too deep. This is a big concert. They're live streaming, 
which is a huge deal. Yeah. Uh, in yeah. 2001. Presumably. It's, I love. Well, it's, oh, just when, when you like zoom out and you see the people sitting in their home watching oh, on AOL yeah. and it's like kind of not great. Yeah. <laughs> like they're watching what, it and what? suddenly it's kind of fuzzy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It, like, it's like so two frames smart. a second. The sound yeah. is like low quality. One of the apartments, too, if you pause as you're watching through all those little shots of people watching from their homes, one of them on their back wall, they have some Josie and the Pussycats like pictures Posters and merch and then they have a poster for tidy cat litter <laughs> <laughs> and that's it that's all they have on their wall that uh look they know what the, they like the yeah. shots of the people in their homes kind of reminded me of um the truman show a little bit another classic uh-huh. like late 90s early mm-hmm. aughts motion picture yeah where this is a communal experience that everybody is enjoying but it is not truly communal. It is something that they are witnessing through a screen that is only made possible by the benevolence of a global capitalism. Right, but again, amazing. like some of those shots look shot for shot taken from Batman Forever. <laughs> like the the Riddler's plan is to like put these things on top of the TVs and then beam the stuff <laughs> into great. their eyes. And some of the configurations look exactly like the shots nice. in that movie. And so I was like, oh, is that where this is going? And actually... To its credit, the movie actually, the climax of the movie takes a really sharp left turn that I was yes. not anticipating. Unless, so they've, oh, yes. they've gotten Serena Altschul to record a pre-recorded segment about the car accident that's going to kill right. oh, yeah. Valerie Well, something, something we didn't bring up earlier is that in, in the major meeting where Fiona explains, Parker Posey explains the whole thing, one of the things she she tells them in terms of like how they keep people in line is that they've created VH1 behind the music to that was explain the, what happens also, to people. Yeah. There's a big disinfo yeah. campaign. Was yeah. Yeah. fucking was awesome. I just don't know how you leave this movie and give like, if nothing else, they are just... Having so much fun, right. yeah, like you, you just watch just this like, being like, have this is just good joyful. <laughs> it's infectious. It really yeah. is. And, and, and even yeah. if it wasn't a good movie, which it is, I would still be having fun with it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I can have fun yeah. with a bad movie, but this is a fun movie that is also good. And for some yeah. reason, there were people who were slamming this movie as both unfun and bad. Um, yeah. which I just don't get. for a teenage girl. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so du jour the boys are back shows in town. up in so a series good. of body casts like they're at the end of It's a Mad, With Mad, the Mad, Mad World. The monkey. With the monkey in a body cast. Dr. attached. The cast is attached. And it, it turns out that the plane didn't crash. They got to the controls and they landed it safely, but it was in the parking lot of a Metallica concert. The Metallica fans beat them up. Yeah. I, and thank, I God thank God every day, day. that I knew <laughs> the I lyrics knew the to lyrics. Enter Sandman. <laughs> While our villains are distracted, Josie has had enough time to get into the convertible mm-hmm. and untie her friend's hands <laughs> so they don't Which, have to die in an in explosion. Horrible car death. In a convertible also, where only I'm, their hands are tied. <laughs> My favorite part here is the climax of our good friend, Alexander Cabot III. Oh, yes. When he Learning discovers the lesson. his entire <laughs> arc. And there is like, there, there's one, there's this plot where you get little hints that he's gay. And he talks about like in the studio, like I want a burger and Heath Ledger. Yeah. And Heath Ledger. Um, and Heath Ledger. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But his big coming out moment is not him coming out as gay. They've already established that he's gay. That's not really the joke. He just is gay. No, him Mm -hmm. coming out is realizing that clothes are a tool of oppression. (laughs) And the only way forward, not only for himself, but for the rest of society, is to join the naturalists, become fully nude, 
full-time nudist Alexander Cabot III. He removes himself from his shackles. Right. And he becomes a free nude man. Pulls off his shirt and walks off screen. That's great. Telling his sister she should also do that. (laughs) Just his penile implant flapping in the wind. And then at this point, the government shows up, of course. General Petraeus again. General David Petraeus. And the government wins. That's what I love is that it's such a Pyrrhic victory. They now have control of the entire operation. They presumably have control of any and all the assets of this company. And they can just. The one thing they lose, though, is the proprietary technology that is the mixer. Because because apparently just one exists. There's only one. There's only one because Josie cleverly backs up into being right in front of it and then has Parker Posey hit. Yeah, have a whole Pete Townsend death of the machine. And then we hear that the message has been hijacked by Fiona, who has made Mr. Movie Phone just feed the audience the subliminal message that she's really cool <laughs> that's, and you should want to hang so out with your friends. Fiona yeah. is jerking. She is totally Which is really jerking. just like, that's the entire arc of Donald Trump's presidency. Yes. And I will yep. say that they, yes. they, there was another brilliant moment with yeah. the with the government guy, um, yeah. General Petraeus, where he goes like, we actually were going to, after the concert tonight, get rid of this whole operation because we found that subliminal messages work much better in movies. And then they all turn to the movie. Yeah, and then underneath movie. it, it says join the army. It's the same joke as Yvonne and Simpsons, uh, right? Which it's also that. I think that when that episode came out in 2001. Well, it would all mistaken. be around the same time because subliminal messaging yeah. was on everybody's minds at the and time. And so then they did 9-11 to distract us from that. <laughs> well, I, I think... Mr. Movie Phone did 9-11 with Avril Lavigne. <laughs> and they're both setting up a provisional government in Afghanistan right. right this second. No, but I mean, look... It, so thanks, Joe Biden. Here's, here's the thing, too. Thank you for what you're doing. And where was Rudy Giuliani on that day? In the basement of an <laughs> HMV. <laughs> I, I, think, I think we'd be doing the movie a disservice if I I did not point out that one of my favorite lines uh, happens like uh, right before uh, John Petraeus comes in, which is comes from our dear sweet Melody saying, if I could go back in time, I'd want to meet Snoopy. (laughs) She said in an interview, she's like, for me, Melody is just like so pure hearted and like Mm -hmm. genuine. And so like that needed to be what I was doing, like not playing dumb, like just playing really, really genuine. Thinking thinking about like people in my life who I've known who maybe are not the the like sharpest tools in the drawer or whatever. There are people who don't necessarily understand a whole lot about how the world works. But in many ways, those kinds of people are ones who you find yourself deeply, deeply bonded with because they care so much about each other, about their friends. And you develop those strong bonds because that is the thing that makes them so special. That's the thing that makes them yeah. who they are. If it had been a performance that was more ironic, not only would it have not worked, it would have actively detracted from the entire point that the movie is trying to make, which, of course, is that friendship is more important than anything, that everybody brings something a little bit different to the table, and that we live in a brand-saturated hellscape from which there's no escape. Except for the army. The army is your one escape. (laughs) The army is your one escape. But... Uh, even living in this hellscape that you can find moments of joy and moments of great rebellion, right. which I think brings us to the as, final as concert. long as you get rid of your clothes. <laughs> yes. You as must long be as you get rid of That's really it. That's that's it. This is be the dialogue. Again, this is one the... of my favorite parts, which again, I'm so angry that all critics like didn't really latch on to this of like when she when Josie's rising and she's like, Well, like I I'm gonna, you know, tell everyone what's going on and, and Parker Pose is like, Who's gonna believe just like a 
a, you know, a, a girl basically, yeah. like who's going to believe a dumb little girl. Um, yeah. and you know, she gets to go on stage and have this moment of like, Fuck right. You. And playing and playing and, with her friends and they, they no longer have the magic of the brainwashing machine well, and, to make and, them and sound. That's, that's such a godly. great moment. Cause yeah. Josie has her cat ears and she sees the whole audience put their cat ears on and she's like, no, wait, this isn't right. So she takes hers off and then they all and take everyone. theirs off. She's like, no, <laughs> yeah. that's not right. Like, don't, don't just, how do I get them to stop doing this thing, right. but not just to stop doing it because I'm telling them to stop doing it. Yeah. How do you yeah. do that? How do you get say, people to think for themselves and to act for themselves in a world where we, we talk about this a little bit when we were talking about Hamlet? This is a non-interactive world. This is something where everything is fed to you through TVs, radios, magazines. Everything is is curated and sent to you. And all you can do is receive it. Yeah. And so what are, yeah. what are you supposed to do? How do you even begin to process all of that in a holistic way? Uh, you join the and- army. Um, and, and you take off your clothes. <laughs> but there is this running theme throughout the movie of, of like Josie. They're all yeah. feeling this insecurity, feeling like, what if nobody likes it? What if what if nobody likes the music? What if it's not good? You haven't heard the music. Why are you why are you signing us? Maybe it, maybe we're not good. And then she gets to go up on stage in front of a crowd of thousands at a stadium and be like, you know what? I, you decide for yourself. Maybe you don't like this song. Maybe you do. But you decide, and I'm going to be up here playing with my friends, and I like doing that, so that's all that matters. So we've been hearing the little motif every time there's like a nice, tender moment throughout this whole movie. Then the song starts, and you're like, oh, this fucking rocks! (laughs) Hell yeah! Alexander and Alexandra Cabot are off to the side. He has begrudgingly put on a very large t-shirt so that it still does not inhibit his airflow or his growth. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> she finds love with less with less from Dujour. Right. Hell yeah. But, you know, as much joy as we all felt uh, about this movie, there were a lot of dum-dums uh, who felt otherwise. That's right, AJ. And, uh, <laughs> really take Tell it us about Josh it, Josh. is ready well look I'm gonna let's talk about the dumb oh my dumbs. god we need to talk about these idiots so um <laughs> Josie and the Pussycats got a 53% on the tomato meter which of course Travis. it's a binary you're either fresh or rotten yeah but what surprised me more was that the audience score in here is only 52%. And there's a similarly ro- low rating on, on IMDb. IMDb. And I, I went and looked at the IMDb rating because sometimes you just get a lot of people who go and one star it. But of course, IMDb yeah. was around when this movie came right. out because that's an old website. All, most of the ratings are in the four, five, six range. Yeah, I, people I, just genuinely didn't really care for this movie. There was very little in the way, first of all, of just outright praise. There are no yeah. none of these people liked the movie the way that we liked it. You know, some people said that like it was fun and it was silly. Somebody named John R. McEwen from something called Film Quips Online says, the best praise I can offer is it could have been worse. I film love to quips. get my get. daily dose of filmquipsonline.com. <laughs> so there's a lot of bullshit. <laughs> Um, but like, I love being on the internet before like content exists yeah, and being yeah. like, yeah. let's check out what Film Quips Online thinks of the new movie <laughs> that has been released. <sighs> 9-11 hasn't happened and it never will. <laughs> this is the yeah, end of history. Fil- Film Quips actually went out of business shortly after. <laughs> uh, by, by virtue of the, the review, not meeting Weirdly, audience. it was yeah. co-owned by Avril Lavigne. Oh. Mm-hmm. They said this is the worst thing that has ever happened and will ever happen. So (laughs) the big critique that was largely leveled against this movie was a purported lack of intelligence. 
Um, it's the idea that it is, there's not a lot going on there. It's just dumb. It's flashy. It's for girls, which of course, things for girls obviously can't be intelligent. Hence no. why. Uh, and, and, and I think that a lot of people, and, and it wasn't just male critics too. It was, it was, there were a lot of women who um, leveled, leveled similar critique. <clears throat> but do notice how none of these supposedly plot driven product placements, everything from Target and Revlon to Steve Madden and Motorola, are misspelled <laughs> which what i think that what their point is like it's not a parody unless the name is misspelled whatever the promo ops yeah. sink to their lowest depths when saturday morning's tv cartoon answer to chrissy hind josie aptly kittenish rachel lee cook and her would-be so beau share a romantic interlude near an aquarium's whale tank a billboard for evian water presumably the water of choice for belugas looms large shut up shut up i, I want to correct shut josh for a second up. i want i want to correct josh for a second because the critic actually says presumably the h2o choice yeah, it does say h2o it was like i already said it's water even worse than you think Let's, yeah <laughs> that's just oh, fundamentally miss because well there were so many a lot of critics at the time were did go this route right. of being like well you can't make a critique yeah. about consumerism if you're taking money which again was not true they did not take money yeah. from these people you'd have to they would have had made so much money like literally yeah. there's thousands of products I, yeah. and like and competing Deborah Kaplan, products you're like well yeah. it's also it's <laughs> there'd be it's no also way the well and Deborah Kaplan who was one of the, the director and co-writer was quoted saying like we didn't get money mm. for it and that was the big scandal I guess when the movie came out yeah uh, and you know added that brands like Steve Madden and Puma supply yeah. them with articles of clothing and such but like did not give them money and that reviews called us hypocrites they're taking money from these corporations to put in the movie and they're doing exactly what they say people shouldn't do but again they're not taking money that's yeah. the whole also point. even yeah. if they like, were who cares there was a man who reviewed it who um, bemoaned the fact that they weren't wearing the uh the cat suits <laughs> from the cartoon and was Shut like, up. Oh, Shut up. And Shut they were like, Shut he was up. like, so disappointing. You'll have to find your your cat suit fetish somewhere right. else. And I was like, ew, ew. <laughs> Go to really Spirit gross. Halloween. Fucking You'll find it. Porn, bro. Like, come on. Um, just like, well, it was it was it was two thousand one. Take care it, of yourself. No, it was two thousand one. They didn't have porn yet. That that can't, that's true. That, I'm so sorry. Yeah, it was. It had not been. Yeah, yeah, so they sorry. were they were too busy going into space and talking to the Hal nine thousand. <laughs> You're uh, right. Deborah Kaplan even said that the reviews of Josie and the Pussycats were so bad she could not even watch the movie for years. Wow. Neither oh, of them like, directed so... ever again because the reviews of this movie were so bad. Um, and and, and not, so not, she, not yeah, because she, they didn't get offered jobs, because they couldn't bring themselves to do it because they were like, we loved this movie and people misunderstood it so right. fundamentally yeah. that like we can't do it. Well, we'll, and, we'll and never so do it again. Even though the album was successful, again. the movie was such a big flop that uh, she said that she got put in director prison, essentially, <laughs> like. Like, especially for a woman director, even though she was part of yeah. a team with a man, like, yeah, you're not going to you're not going to get anything. But it is. I mean, it's like it's it's a failure of uh, critics just woefully misinterpreting it. It's a failure yeah. of marketing. It's of just uh, everyone taking this movie and being like, oh, it's like dumb fluff, blah, blah, blah. And not recognizing it for what it very obviously is, which is a smart, biting satire. I, I think just, that the 
expectation that a lot of people had going in. And like you said, exactly, Jesse, like it, it, people thought it was going to be dumb, right? So they went in thinking it was going to be dumb. They allowed their preconceptions to cloud their vision of what it was that they were actually seeing when they got into the space in the first place. So everything that they were seeing, they were interpreting through the lens of, well, this is going to be stupid. And so rather than seeing those choices as deliberate, as uh, artistic, rather than, you know, craven and commercial, Everything instead yeah. was framed through the lens of, well, this movie's obviously like it's a Josie and the Pussycats movie. Of course, it's just going to be a cash-in. Therefore, everything that's happening in here is also a cash-in. Th- this also then comes through in that little bit of the review that I read where it was like, well, if they were really making fun of brands, wouldn't the brands be misspelled? Which, again, is like totally this misunderstanding of what the whole point is. The reason. Oh, no, that yeah. always sucks. It, sucks. it always sucks it to sucks. see yeah. the misspelled brand name. Well, so, I think one of the things that is so impactful about this movie, even like years later, is that it is the real fucking exactly. brand. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, Revlon, yeah. it's McDonald's, in, it's Starbucks. Yeah. It reminds me of the, like, honestly, the original original the the first setup of the plane with the bounce plane it it's reminiscent and i do not think this is by accident of like warhol's brillo box yeah and Uh like to me Mm -hmm. it's a nod to that because of what they chose and it's like that's why it's impactful later is because it's an actual fucking brand and you're actually indicting the real thing and and, And like the motorola plane has them they just glued actual actual flip phones phones onto the wall wall, just sitting or for that matter matter when uh when when josie is getting like when she's up in her up in her sky castle and she's getting her manicure it's from somebody who has an american online logo on the patch of her shoulder like her pvc outfit it's bananas and if your conception of what constitutes satire is that rather than them going to a target they're going to a store called off target (laughs) haha got their ass (laughs) you don't understand what it is that this movie is trying to do you genuinely and you won't be able to understand what this movie is trying to do because ironically your brain has been so poisoned by branding that you take all of it for granted as a part of the material conditions of your universe which prevents you from understanding why when you're beaten over the head with brands every single fucking day it destroys your brain and that's the point the movie is making yeah no I don't think you Anyone could walk away from this movie being like, well, the point was that, like, I want to go to Starbucks right now. Or like, hmm. Yeah, yeah Starbucks is totally jerking. Like, we know this. <laughs> yeah. Diet Coke is the new Pepsi yeah, one. We've been yeah. told. <laughs> but it's like, it's that, again, like, like we were all saying, you know, it's that much more impactful. It's that much more powerful to see these brands kind of be sort of dragged right. through the mud in this, again, indictment of the mass marketing and just product placement. My dad's job was he was a promoter, which means that he was like the go-between between record labels and radio stations so like none of this like this all felt like very much a satire to me of things that like i knew from my dad's work like Mm -hmm. it felt really on point as a satire for me like and i think i definitely got that as a kid like like they're making fun of this thing so i understood like i might not have known how to say like it's an anti-capitalist satire. It, but it's like, so weird to see from like the list of critics, any of the contemporary reviews, and I'm, I'm sure more, more of the positive reviews on Rotten Tomatoes are actually later on. Yeah, like Nathan yeah a lot of retrospective like, reviews. Yeah, a- and it's not the most, even the most trenchant satire. Like, it, I, I don't think it fully gets all the way there, even in trying to do everything that it attempts to do from a satirical perspective. But, you know, it's it's the world building and the fact that what they've created is this horrible dystopian thing 
Um, that makes you that feel really it. really isn't that far off Oh, it's from no, it's actually just actually ours. It's, it's just our lives. <laughs> yeah. And it's gotten only yeah. more yeah. so over the past 20 years. You know, I, if you'd gone back 20 years and you told somebody that, you know, you would be able to have every single interaction that you ever have with people pretty much tracked, itemized, categorized against the appropriate product placement, and then being able to serve you ads through any stream imaginable so that you get that product advertised and, and you know delivered to your eyeballs, they'd be like, fucking what? No, that's not going to happen. Well, it happened. Well, think also about like the evolution <laughs> of celebrity culture and influencers right. and this idea that like yeah. even even something that is supposedly like, oh, I'm sharing a photo is an right. ad mm -hmm. and like the yep. the right. ways in which we've started in in also creating more of yep. these like parasocial relationships right. where you're like, oh, this person and their taste is what I want to emulate because they are successful. And like even right. all of that is in there. It, it, like you can see that trace back to what they're talking about in this movie. And it's like, yeah, mm. I, I think that's why it it only kind of ages it ages so well. But I definitely yeah. like know it made an impact because I genuinely like rewatching this movie as an adult and being like, I cut my hair like that. I mm. learned to play mm -hmm. the drums. Parker Posey is how I Tr learn like that's what I wanted to do and and actually this movie is what got me into watching Christopher Guest movies because I was like more yeah. Parker Posey please and then Eugene yeah. Levy Eugene was there Levy. and I was yeah. like or Eugene Levy. oh my god this is so fun you know like I I already loved Alan Cumming from from Spice World but like this definitely was like oh now I want to watch more Alan Cumming which got me into way weirder shit like I think yeah. I think this movie was super Let's responsible. Alan Cumming is a gateway drug the, to some yeah. really weird Alan shit. Alan Cumming yeah. is a gateway drug to a great time. A but I, I uh, just have, you know, yeah. but I think for me, this was like a movie that like, the more I watch it as an adult, the more I'm like, yeah, I internalized a lot of this film and not yeah. not the not like yay consumerism. What I internalized was like everyone's trying to take advantage of me and sell me shit like that <laughs> yeah. definitely it, stuck with me. Like, well, and that's why it's funny because people will say, oh, it was ahead of its time. No, it wasn't. It was perfect for its right. time and it was just i guess too perfect it was for pointing its time. out things that other people didn't realize were part didn't of the background wanna... noise i guess yeah yeah and and yeah it puts it all at the surface at a time where maybe that just didn't feel clever to right. do because everything was already so obvious all the time uh but clearly it wasn't obvious enough for them but it, it's 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 a movie that is so perfectly encapsulating this particular moment and only 5 months later that's going to shift right. colossally yeah. right after this yeah. movie comes out. And With Zoolander. And <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yes. Zoolander releases and and uh, thousands of people have died. <laughs> Thanks to Avril Lavigne, producer of Zoolander. Pretty much the whole movie is focused on these women and like yeah. that yeah. even even Alan Cumming is not the main villain. The main right. villain is Parker right. Posey. Mm. Like yeah. the yeah. men are all in service of the women. Alan Cumming is there yeah. for Parker Posey. Alan M is there for Josie. Alexander is there for the for the, the all three of the girls. Like they, mm -hmm. Alan yeah. M doesn't do shit. Like he's there to be supportive like, yeah. and be like, "Wow, well, you're so cool like that you're say, so fucking good at guitar. It's so cool that you're." We good don't at even this. know if he's good. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they literally he start the matter. movie killing. 
they literally start the movie killing uh, four protagonists, right. like four the like male protagonists. Yeah. Be, they're like, yeah, hey, they guys, open the movie, you, you killing the all these guys, no, which kill them. Yeah, yeah, and like because uh, they don't matter. Yeah, and and. Yeah. You know, that's not and to say that they like... And the monkey is male, like, too. Yeah. Fuck, fuck the monkey that is monkey. Dr. Zayas. Get him out of there. No, no. See, Dr. Zayas Dr. was... Uh, Zayas. was Dr. Zayas. Dr. Zayas. Dr. Zayas. Dr. Zayas. See, that, that was your own bias that was your there, Brian. Women can, can be doctors. Women yeah. um. can be doctors, Brian. <laughs> and then like, Dr. Zayas looked at the young boy and said, I can't operate on this patient. He's my son. <laughs> He's my son. Um. <laughs> I can't operate on this patient. I'm Pagliacci. <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny how the shift, you know, the... The internet becomes more of a thing. 9-11 is going on. So we're also splitting our time between our brand friends and then our country brand friend. Mm. Yeah, uh, America the brand. Not to mention, the, the, yeah, the also the, the iPod comes out. We've talked about that. Yeah. And so we start to get things that are on demand and we start to get things that are more interactive, right? You get sort of new grounds, which then leads to like YouTube and MySpace and Facebook and Web 2.0 and Times Person of the Year being you, and they have that shitty little piece of foil where you can't even see your reflection. Terrible mirror. Uh, it's awful. It's and, such a bad And so cover. then it's like, oh yeah, no, everything's gonna be made by you. This is democratized, but it's really just a more twisted yep. way of getting you involved where you, you don't get to them. even have the luxury yeah. and success of Josie, but you're actually feeling like Josie the entire time with Mr. Mm. Movie Phone piping into your ear making you think that you've created something. Right. But instead, you're just finding a new way of being told what to do well, and what to like and how to behave. And this actually, I mean, you know, there's we've still we've recorded and, and are still in the process of editing the video about influencers and influencer culture uh, yeah. that I put together. I think that this ties really nicely into that as well. Right. Because yeah. the influencer is is really the uh, ultimate form of the thing that this movie was kind of predicting in many ways. The big difference in, in this was we sort of had mentioned this a little bit earlier is that now the brand placement is not the over the top beating you over the head with the brand thing anymore. Instead, it's your friend. It's your friend, yeah. you know, Josie, the influencer or whatever, who is letting you know that's with her Josie Zeppelin. Like they don't, I mean, it's they don't need yeah, it's, it's the they don't Charlie D'Amelio being like, here's my nice fancy kitchen. Right. I'm hanging out with you again. By the way, I just got the new impossible burger patties and I'm going to make a really fucking terrible burger. Yes. yes. Uh, <laughs> and they don't need Mr. We, they don't need any more Mr. Movie phone to tell you that it's totally jerking because yeah. they're doing it themselves. Right. They're they're selling they're selling three they're selling things through our music. They're selling us through our music. But ultimately exactly. the thing that's kind of yeah. depressing about that ah. is all you're doing is selling a product, right? Like it's it's mm -hmm. it's the commodification of art, of friendship, and, of talent into yeah. something that is easily packaged and easily consumable. And easily expendable. Right. That like if it doesn't yeah, work throw out. Throw it out, get we'll the next just, one. And Josie you know, and the Prissy Cats the itself yeah. is just a translation of a product right and yeah. it didn't sell well except it also kind of did sell well yeah so Which it I, still I mean, made it really the studio larger... and it still made the label lots of money but the people who made it unique the people who made it what it was they ended up suffering for it because they made it too original and they made it too good <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the credits roll, and then yeah. you hear Mr. Movie Phone just say, "It's jerking." It's jerking. <laughs> it's it's jerking. To the end. That's awesome. Oh, it, it, <laughs> the, the final okay. sting is just that's, Mr. Movie saying, 
It's Jerkin. Mr. <laughs> I feel like that's the one sense memory I do have of seeing it in the yeah, I do. <laughs> I could be making that no, up. No, no, no. That sounds... I, I feel... Yeah. I, but, I, but it is interesting that, like, I definitely feel like even if we couldn't articulate all of that, like, we got a lot of what the movie was trying to say as yeah. the target audience of being, you know, like, young, yeah. young girls. Um, yeah. But like all of these grown up people who watched it, who are whose job is to review movies were like, this is too, mm. I don't understand. Am I supposed to eat McDonald's now? But it's like, it's but, so like but like teenage girls were like, yeah, we get it. <laughs> like, yep. this is bad. <laughs> Jesse, Ellie, is there anything that you want to promote, plug is there any product that you would like to sell our anything audience? Anything you guys want to sell? Yeah, yeah. I Is there would anything love to that's sell. currently jerking? Mm. 10 Days Next to a Cheesecake Factory is the show that Jesse and I wrote together based on my life. <laughs> or rather, the time I tried to end it. Oh God, I hate this already. This Fucking kill me. <laughs> that's what the show's good. about. It's good. That's a great pitch. It's based on... Uh, Ellie's suicide attempt and subsequent stay in a psychiatric institution. It's jerkin. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Where That's can it. they we see it? it? Oh, allegedly. That's my attempt at lips. That's real either <laughs> in Ars Nova's online digital library called Supra, which is available via subscription at ArsNovaNYC.com. Is that their website? I really fucking hope so. Or maybe we'll at my website. Who knows? Not me. <laughs> Ellie Phillips. Yeah, job. Jesse Canizzaro. <laughs> thank <Canizzaro>. you <laughs> for visiting us and talking about this fantastic movie uh. and this fantastic, bizarre period of time which it uh, occupies and so perfectly explains. I am the worst of all possible Brian's. I'm the worst of all possible Josh's. I'm the worst of all possible AJ's. And this is the worst of all possible it worlds. It certainly is. Hey, does anyone feel like getting a Big Mac? So many possible worlds, but we got this one. So hey, it's Brian. I hope you had as much fun listening to this episode as we had making it. Thanks again to Ellie Phillips and Jesse Canazaro for joining us. As always, our theme song is by Brendan Dalton, and this show is brought to you not by our fake sponsor and its stupid fake little robot piece of shit fucking. Our show is brought to you by our patrons at Patreon. Our sponsors include Aeneas Hemphill, Ben Ferber, Benjamin R. Alford, Bill, Davis Van de Steeg, Dominic Russo, Nate Netsley, Nell Johnson, Octavia Immersive, Trevor Strunk, with a special thank you to Ashley Stoneman, Nikola Donov, Sam Borman, and Timmy Sexton. You can go to our Patreon at any time and become one of the people that I mention in these credits. It's okay, you can do it right now. The police won't stop you. They can't stop you. I won't let them. All right, folks, till next time. Mm -hmm.